Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. So welcome back, listeners. We're going to finish up the topic we started yesterday. Julie, I'm trying to unmute you. Can you hear me? Nope. Can you call back in? Um, so I'm gonna, uh, we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday, and we're talking about social networking. And this is a topic that we don't talk about a lot. And the reason we don't talk about it a lot is because everyone else talks about it too much. <laughs> How about that for truth? So the reality of it is that social networking does have, obviously, value, does have a purpose, um, can be a benefit to your business. And I want you guys to listen to yesterday's show, part one, uh, where we talk specifically about where, what it is and what it isn't. And that's the main real element that you have to remember when it comes to any kind of lead generation, whether it's uh, passive or whether it's uh, proactive, right? So if you're going to just do passive marketing, if you're going to just gonna do things that are going to hopefully generate business for you one day, you're going to have a very inconsistent business. And generally speaking, you're also going to have a business that probably you're never in control of. Um, there is, like, for example, you know, we can go down the list of uh, passive activities that agents do as a, reg- uh, as a regular course of business, but it's really endless. I mean, if you think about all the things that agents will seduce themselves into believing will someday hopefully get themselves business, it's pretty much everything that every agent does. And then you ask yourself, well, why do all these agents do it if it doesn't work? It's because it's confirmation bias, because everyone else is saying it works, and no one else has actually stopped other than Julie and I to say, hey, you know what, this doesn't work, and here's the proof that it doesn't work. Um, it's fascinating to me also, having been in this position for a long time of being, and uh, you know, Julie and I were top producing real estate agents, and then we were, obviously, we've been coaches for a long time. So we've been in this realm for a long, uh, long period of time, and, and we've seen a lot of these big trendy ideas come and go. And what is really interesting to me is how little uh, many of you don't really realize how long some of these ideas have really been around in one form or another. I'll, I'll give you a really good example. So right now, a lot of you have spent a lot of time and effort doing um, fancy websites. You guys have created these websites, and these, and you have these IDEX feeds, and you have all these different, th- you know, little bangles and dobbles that are supposedly going to seduce a buyer into basically giving you their information and maybe generate a listing lead. A lot of you guys have spent countless hours. Um, tweaking your website. So a lot of you this time of year, that's what you do. And you're going to go online and you're going to search out the greatest SEO tricks and hacks. And But here's the reality. The war is already, it's, it's already long over. And individual agents and even really realistically brokers' websites, they lost. The big portals have long since won. In other words, the probability of you ever being found on search is about zero when you take into consideration how essentially all the, the web searches already result. The only and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I just want you guys all to have a you know realistic expectation for what you're gonna get when you start um and I'm always preaching to I feel like I'm preaching to agents that are ten years or newer in the business because again, your only exposure to real estate and lead generation has been essentially buying leads. You don't know that there's another way to go about doing it. You don't know that, or maybe you do, but you've maybe you thought, well, that's what they used to do, and they, it doesn't work that way anymore. You know, maybe you think that passive lead generation is the only way to build your business. Again, it goes back to the whole confirmation bias thing, and it's a long-term trend. 
But I, I'm going to tell you guys this true story. So when Julie and I were selling real estate in the 90s, this was about the same time, believe it or not, that the Internet started becoming you know, beyond uh, you know, dial-up, you know, beyond the uh, you've got mail from AOL. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Most of you probably don't. But let's just say it's back in the Stone Age of the Internet. Well, there was something called IDEX back then. You know, there was a way to get buyers to fill out a form, and then you couldn't email them the listings. You had to actually print the listings off that their IDEX search you know, churned out, and then you had to mail them to them. And then we literally had um, a day on Friday that we'd set aside where we would mail these letters with all these um, you know, new listing results to – of the buyers who had expressed interest in a particular type of house in a particular market. And we did that for probably two years. And we had a huge database. We did tons of open houses. We did all kinds of different things to try to generate, you know, long-term leads that we thought, well, for sure these leads will eventually, you know, when they're ready to buy, they'll buy from us because of the fact that we've been mailing them this information. That same concept's around nowadays. But here's what we discovered. And here's what essentially anybody who's been in the business long-term has discovered. And by the way, this is the same thing that every business that tries to sell anything to anybody already knows. But again, there's all these uh, businesses that sell stuff to realtors, and you guys don't know that the long-term lead follow-up stuff is an enormous waste of time. We experienced that firsthand. So back before there was automated ways of uh, sending people listings, we were literally stuffing them in envelopes. And I can tell you on a total of zero of how many you know, actual sales we had as a result of that. And we stuck with it for two years because we thought for sure you know, eventually this was going to start working out. But what would really happen, and this is the psychology that's involved in this, what really happened is because we had invested so many hopes, prayers, and then, let's be honest, time and money into trying to make this work, um, we didn't want to give up on it because we thought, oh, if you just did it for another month, if we just did it for another year, then somehow this is going to work. And that's the same thing right now, just bringing us back up to, you know, modern era. That's the same thing that's happened. Uh, well, I'll go – actually, I'll take a half step. Teams, same thing. You guys think teams are new. Teams have been around since the early 90s. Julie and I had the first real estate team in Columbus, Ohio. A lot of the other things that you guys think are new and innovative, they're not. They've been around forever. The benefit to knowing that something's been around forever is that you don't just have to go to the same little you know, pond of people and ask for their suggestions or see what's working for them. You can actually you know, jump back into a time machine, and you can go back 20 or 30 years, and you can really see from a historical perspective how these ideas have worked. Because I'm going to say it again. None of the things that you guys are spending a lot of your time and effort on in the realm of passive lead generation, none of them are new ideas. There's some of them are evolutions on old ideas, but for the most part, what you're going to discover over time is that all those ideas have been flushed out, and for the most part, the results are in. Everybody knows if you ask the right people what the result will be. For example, when you run a big team, the profit you're going to make from the team as the person running the team is going to be less than 10%. And you know, we talked about this in the podcast a few years ago, and it really pissed a lot of people off. A lot of people see teams, or at least at that time they did, not so much anymore, because the mindset in the industry has changed because people have realized, you know, really teams are not profitable. But here's what we did. Here's what we told them. We said, if you want to make, let's say, and we just picked an arbitrary number, if you want to make $300,000 a year as an agent with maybe one assistant, you can do it e more easily with less work than if you were someone with a team and who had to earn a million dollars to make the same $300,000 net. And that's a little concept that no one has ever said before. It was called the truth. 
what we are trying to show people, and actually the net for most teams nowadays has actually gotten worse. So most teams, because of the cost of buying buyer leads and commission splits, have actually made it so that most team uh, owners who are running teams when they earn, say, a million dollars, are probably only realistically taking in, if they're relatively efficient in their business, 15 to 18%. So they're making less than $200,000. Now, I'll say this again. 99% of you are going to be better off if you never go beyond maybe just hiring an assistant or two and focusing on and never forgetting that the product of your business is is happy customers, is sold houses, is all you know all of the things that you guys think that is, but the real product of your business has to always be profit. And if you forget that, if you forget that my, the litmus test of whether or not I'm efficient as a business owner is the profit I make. If you forget that, you won't have any profit. If you think that the profit will come, it never does. Because that's, again, another fallacy in the real estate business is that I'm just going to save off the next big closing. That's the reason most realtors retire uh, – well, never retire, but if they do, they are broke. They're, you know, they're essentially, they, they never can really stop working. They, they don't buy rental properties. They haven't invested any money. It, it's the nature of the industry. So back to social networking. I want you to be really clear what it is and what it isn't. It's not – uh, a panacea that's going to make it so that you can not have to ever learn how to do the real work. Um, and that's how it's been sold to real estate agents. And that's the reason that Julie and I have always taken a very stern line about what it is and what it isn't. Uh, again, a lot of people have been very upset with us. Back when social networking became really popular in the real estate industry, about 2007, 2008, it was the latest and the greatest thing. And there had been other latest and greatest things. But now look what's happened, guys. Look what's happened with social networking. Just like Julie oh, – look, I hate saying we told you so, but we told you so. If you look back, Julie and I were saying, look, this is just another thing. Before this, it was direct mail. Before this, it was branding. Before this, it was you know, uh, direct response. Before this was all these little trendy things. If you look – go back in history, you'll see that these things have a shelf life of about five to ten years. Now – if you're early in on a trend, I'm going to be very clear on this, it actually works really well. And I'll give you guys an example of something Julie and I did when we sold real estate. Back when we sold real estate, we were in business when Google first started. <laughs> okay? And when Google first started, I had got it was over it was over like a Christmas holiday, and I'd actually gotten in and figured out how to use pay per click. And none of our other competitors have done it. And I figured out how to make a landing page. It was all very rudimentary, nothing fancy stuff. Um, this was probably – I don't remember what year it was exactly, but I, I was testing out different – just different concepts. I'd read a couple articles. I'd seen a couple other people do it, but this pay-per-click thing was totally new for the industry. And let me tell you, it kicked serious ass when we first started doing it because none of our competitors were doing it. No other brokers were doing it. Nobody was doing it. The pay-per-click stuff killed the leads for us. It was amazing. And then what we did is we started doing uh, pay-per-click uh, – uh, CMA offers, and that worked really well too. I mean, we did, uh, you know, a value your home type campaign in our local markets, and it worked incredibly well. And now all this stuff worked for us at a high level for about six to eight months. And then what happened is all the competitors started creeping in because you know real estate's incredibly competitive, and there's a lot of smart people in the industry, and they then started figuring it out. 
Um, you know, here's another little funny thing. Again, this is a little nerdy, but back before Zillow, before Trulia, there was just Realtor.com. And Realtor.com used to allow agents to run ads on their listings. So you could go in on one of your listings, and you could put in links from your website or from the listing on Realtor.com to your website so that, for free. So you, if you took a listing, you could go on to Realtor.com. And you could put it, and this is what we did, you could put in a link that said for all the local homes for sale, you know, in whatever area they were looking, click here. And it would take them to, a, you know, a forum, and they'd fill it out, and we'd have a lead. And it was free. Now, obviously, that doesn't work that way anymore. So, you guys, what I'm trying to explain to you is all of these things, a lot of these trendy ideas, they work if you're really, really early. Facebook ads about five years ago were working really, really good, weren't they? Instagram ads, so much, not really, but kind of. So, again, these things have a shelf life, and they, they essentially burn themselves out because what happens is the idea becomes oversaturated. And that's a marketing term for essentially too many people are doing it, and because there's too many people doing it, there's too much noise, and it becomes less effective. It's a pretty simple concept. Well, I'm going to, again, underline this point so you guys are very clear. The same thing is happening with social networking. So if you think you're going to be able to build a business that's going to be consistent that's going to essentially produce you know, enough income that you can actually meet, make ends meet, let alone save money, let alone save enough money that you have money to reinvest that you can become rich where your money works for you and no longer have to work for your money, social networking is not going to do it. You've got to see it for what it is, and what it is is an additional – it's something to support your main uh, activity, but it is not to replace it. So when Julie and I were talking yesterday um, – let me see where I left off – uh, okay, so um, we talked about where to have profiles. There's really only, arguably, there's four websites where you want to have profiles. Um, and I'm going to just review. I'll pick up uh, next point in a second, but just your quick review. You want to have a Facebook profile. I would suggest you guys that you seriously uh, consider not having a personal agent website. And the reason I'm suggesting that is because Every single study has proven that agents get no business from the personal agent website unless they spend a lot of money getting traffic to the personal agent website. goes back to a previous point I made that war is already lost. You're never going to get any real traffic on your website unless you're spending gobs of money. And even then, um, you're probably going to be better off if you hadn't tried it in the first place with all the money and the time you'll put in invest into trying to build a personal agent website. So I would definitely just do a Facebook business page. You will never get SEO for it, but who cares? You can send people to it if they're interested. And the nice thing about that is that you can easily link it to the people in your personal uh, Center of Influence Past Client Friends list on Facebook, and it makes it very easy for you to essentially have the benefit of having a website without having all the hassle. It's never going to be pretty or fancy, but who cares? If you're with a big company or even a medium-sized company, chances are that broker has got a nice website that's nicer than anything you're ever going to want to invest in. So agents, just listen to what I'm saying. For the most part, your personal agent websites are an enormous waste of money and time. Do consider a personal Facebook page and a business uh, Facebook business page. Both are free, my favorite word. Now, if you do not want to, not, uh, to uh, share your personal stuff with the world, you can lock your Facebook page so that only approved people can um, you know, look at the site. If you want to make it so that people can't post erroneous crap on your any of your Facebook pages, you can make it so you have to approve all the posts. So you can actually have editorial control over what appears. Next, I would definitely have a profile on Instagram. Instagram, if you put it on your phone, it doesn't matter if it's an iPhone or an Android, there's uh, a, um, an app, an Instagram app 
that allows you to take a picture, and then you can put that picture both on Instagram and on Facebook. It's very simple. It takes two seconds. Uh, for the most part, the younger generations are only using Instagram, and I can understand why because they don't have to write anything. They're just taking a fun picture and posting it up. Instagram is uh, quickly outpacing Facebook as far as its ability to uh, for you to build audience. The older folks, probably older than me, but uh, they, you know, that's who's using Facebook nowadays. Know your market. If you're selling to a market that's uh, say 45 and older you're probably going to want to invest more in Instagram. I'm sorry, in Facebook than you were on Instagram. Again, younger people, they're like, I read something recently that essentially most 20-somethings don't even have Facebook accounts anymore. So that tells you the trend. All right, so um, have a profile on Twitter, LinkedIn, and then also I would set up a video, uh, a uh, your own channel on YouTube, um, so how do you set up the profiles? Again, you want to have all the profiles match. You want to have them be your, you know, and by match, I mean it has to be the same profile picture. It has to be the same description. Don't do a different description of yourself on Instagram than you do on LinkedIn, for example. You want to have the exact same data. <clears throat> I'm not really sure why, but I know SEO-wise, it makes it so that if someone searches for you, uh, that you will have all those social profiles that match right away. And then, again, make sure you're sending – people are going to be searching for you on there, so make sure you have your, you know, a cell phone number that you control and then an email address that you control. Now, you control part. I'm going to underline that. You do not want to use a phone number that you do not own. You need to always use a phone number for all, anything – anytime you're doing any kind of marketing – that you literally control. That way, if, for example, your broker decides, ah, screw it, I don't want to be a broker anymore, I'm closing up shop, or maybe you decide that you want to change offices, if your broker is the one that owns that phone number, you're going to lose those leads. Um, now, same goes with your email address. You should control your own URL. Uh, your URL is like ours is at, you know, Tim at timandjulieharris.com. The URL is timandjulieharris.com. And if you guys want to know how long Julie and I have been online, Go see how old that URL is. It's ancient. It's something like in the in the internet world, our URL is considered like a grand part, <laughs> granddaddy. I think we bought it in 2000. And, uh, I'm sorry, in 1994. I think. I mean, it was again in Columbus. We were one of the first people to have their own our own websites back when agent websites actually could generate business. All right, so you definitely want to consider having your your own, your own URL. But if you, even if you don't, on Facebook, what I want you to do is have facebook.com forward slash then your name. Now, if, there's some, if your name's common, uh, you might have to you know, switch it up a little bit. Like on Instagram, ours is uh, instagram.com forward slash Harris, Tim and Julie, because someone else had Tim and Julie Harris, okay? So just move it around a little bit. You could put in, um, you know, Again, when you're registering your Facebook business page, you can decide how to – you can actually have a custom URL. That's what it's called. I don't, I don't think they charge you anything for it. Um, again, if your name is really common, you can always use your city name too or you know, something like you know, Tim and Julie Harris, uh, you know, Austin, Texas or something. I don't think they'll let you use that many uh, words or letters rather, but you get the idea. So figure it out. Try to have uh, a URL and, and what happens, again, I'm not going to explain for the SEO's sake, but you can try to do the same on LinkedIn, try to do the same on every one of these profiles. Have it be so that your, the URL is uh, you know, linkedin.com forward slash your name. Um, 
Instagram.com forward slash your name. Not an expert at this stuff, guys. I'm not sure how many of these different websites you can actually do personalized URLs on. I know for a fact you can do it on Facebook because we did it. Okay, so there you go. Now, next, here's the general rule, and I want you to consider this. And this is something that um, some of you guys have run afoul on because you just don't really – I don't think you guys are – you're not big thinkers, some of you, to be honest with you. Point number eight is what I wrote down is never be a butthead. Don't complain. It's okay if you want to be political or religious. Uh, if that's in your wheelhouse, uh, avoid virtue signaling. Now, I just said a whole bunch of stuff that's conflicting with a lot of the things you guys have been told. Here's – I'll say this again. Don't be a butthead online because your butthead comments will cost you business. If someone's doing searching on you, and let's just say you put in some terse comment about some local politician or something else that got your you know, rile up or whatever it was, something that just got, grabbed your attention, you put some little snarky comment, well, somebody's going to be searching for you five years from now and come across that little snarky comment for that very reason, not even call you out to list a house or something. You guys get the idea? So the rule is never post anything that is snarky or that's going to be overly uh, biased one way or the other online. Don't try to be one of these people that's virtue signaling all the time either. And somebody who's virtue, virtue signaling, all they're doing is they're, you know, for culturally right now we're going through a shift and there's a lot of tribalism that's going on where, you know, you're part of this group or you're part of that group. We're no longer, you know, it's, you know, we're no longer Americans. We're all these little subplots inside of America. It seems like a, the major cities the coastal cities, that's how it is. You identify with individual groups. We're not going to comment on that, and you as a practitioner shouldn't comment on that. But what I'm going to suggest to you is actually might benefit you to identify with the groups that are most relevant to your individual market and not fly in the face of them. Now, it used to be that you didn't have to act like that. It used to be that if you lived in you know, Omaha, Nebraska, and you were pretty much like everybody else. Now, there may have been people that are left-leaning or right-leaning, but everybody on the weekend liked to watch, watch football. Everyone said Merry Christmas. Everyone was pretty much, you know, there was a, there was a code of contact, conduct that existed. And probably in Omaha, Nebraska, there still is. But if you go to one of the coastal areas, you have so many of these little things. Like you're not supposed to say Merry Christmas. You're not supposed to open the door for you know, women. You're not supposed to – all these different little things. There's so many little subplots and so many little rules that what has happened is – and I noticed this with some of my top producing agents. If they don't um, make their leanings somewhat subtly, classly known, what happens is it costs them business. Because people are tribing up to the point where they're only doing business and hanging out with people that are like them. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about because you never experienced what I'm talking about, good. <laughs> you're lucky. But if you're living in one of these big, major cities that you know, are generally speaking more progressive, liberal-minded, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So my suggestion is uh, don't try to play it neutral because it will actually cost you business. Go with a – when you're, you have your own personal opinions on things, politics, um, you know, immigration, things like that, you can participate in those conversations, and you can participate it with those people in those shared beliefs. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. 
But what you've got to be really careful is you don't just, you don't allow yourself to come off too radical or too uh, diversive because that's good, political. Just like it's a trend, guys. The stuff that's happening right now in politics and the stuff that's happening right now socially, it's just a trend. It's going to change. I mean, 24 months from now, people aren't going to believe they're talking about and worried about what they're worried about and talking about now. There'll be a whole bunch of new shit that people will be talking about and worrying about. So be again. I'm going to go say this again. When you're posting online, do not post anything that's real that you're going to regret six months from now. Even if you're so right, you're so self-righteous in your opinion. Don't do it because you're going to pay the price for it in the future. And most times, you can't make that shit go away. It's going to follow you forever. I have literally had experiences where I'll get an email from somebody, and they'll say, I didn't get a listing, and I didn't, I don't know why, whatever, whatever. And then I will, you know, they'll schedule a call with me, and I'll, before I call, what Julie and I and all of our coaches, I've trained everyone to do the same thing, is I want you to go, you know, I tell them to go online and search for that person and see how they are seen in their local marketplace just from a blind search. And when we do that, we find some of the wackiest, craziest shit I've ever seen. I, I, you know, guys, you could do it for yourselves and see what comes up. But there was somebody, there was a gal. I remember this one because it was, you know, uh, it was just really bizarre. I mean, the lady was something. Uh, she had all these diverse interests that, let's say, were on the fringe of the fringe. I'll just leave it at that. And she talked about it using her real name and her cell phone number, which is searchable, and her brokerage name, broker's name. She talked about this stuff online all the freaking time. I mean, when she wasn't talking about real estate, she was talking about hunting ghosts, or she was talking about the fact that she was a Wiccan, or she was talking about the fact that you – know, you guys get the point. I mean, these extreme views, fine. Who cares? You can have them. I'm sure there's lots of you know, Wiccans that need to buy – Houses, who cares? I don't care. I'm not judging. I don't care. But the point is, is that that's a tiny, tiny little sliver, and then she's going to alienate everybody else. So when we did the search, I, I, this is one that Julie and I, I mean, if Julie were on the phone, she had more details because she's the one that did the initial search on this and sent me the results because I had the call with the gal. So, you know, when you do a blind search on yourself, what comes up? Is that how you want yourself represented? Is that how you want yourself to be seen? Okay, I'm going to make another comment there, too. You guys should never comment or never post on Yelp or never post on any of these other opinion websites because those opinion websites are starting to have a backlash in the business community and other um, – essentially, they're going to run afoul of a lot of regulation soon. And if you're somebody who's very prideful about your, your Yelping, you're going to find that's going to work against you. Um, all those opinion websites, guys, the, the fallacy in their business plan is that someone can anonymously post an erroneous lie on the website. And even if you prove that, the lie, that it's a complete lie, the website won't remove their information, and you have to sue the person who posted the information. Remember I said it was anonymous. So what you have to do is you have to sue the, um, the, I, the, uh, whoever their Internet provider is. You have to send a letter to Yelp. You have to ask Yelp to basically provide uh, who their Internet provider was and who, what their IP address was. And then you have to uh, sue the Internet provider company to find out who the individual is. And then you sue the person. Okay, so what's happening is there's big companies that are in the midst of doing this, and what they're going to do is they're going to essentially shut down um, a lot of these uh, fake opinion sites because what's happened is is a lot of uh, people you guys know about fake news 
Well, what, we're, what has been essentially happened is, is a lot of these opinion sites have become fake opinion sites for the sake of generating revenue. Because what they do is they'll put up all, you know, they will, they prefer to put up negative comments, and then what they'll do is they'll ask the business to pay to basically try to knock those negative comments down. It's a scam, guys. It always has been. Better Business Bureau got caught for doing this exact same thing years ago. Remember I told you at the top of the show today that there's no new ideas? You guys should go uh, Google 2020 News. This was back from the 90s and put in Better Business Bureau. Better Business Bureau did the exact same thing. All these new opinion websites are doing the exact same thing that Better Business Bureau got. Uh, now, when they came around, when Yelp came out, a few, you know, like what, 10 years ago, it was a cool website. But again, these things run their course. They get oversaturated. So my suggestion to you is avoid, like the plague, posting any negative or positive comments on any of these websites because it, those search results will follow you forever. I'm going to give you guys an example. This actually happened. I had a coaching client. This was a personal coaching client who owned a series of massage parlors in Las Vegas, sold them all. These were legit massage parlors. They were uh, mostly uh, they're businesses that worked inside casinos. These aren't, you know, what some of you guys are thinking when I say massage parlor. Uh, he sold them all. There were like eight of them. Um, and then he moved to Austin, and he decided he wanted to become a real estate agent. He's a successful real estate agent. But what happened was is that he had a really good Yelp um, profile uh, for his massage business, sold it, but his name was attached to it. And he has to work against the fact that when people are doing searches, they're finding out, oh, what business are you in? How does this actually work? So you don't know what the long tail potential of some of these things that you guys do online because it doesn't go away. And you can't just log into these websites and make it go away. And posting anonymously is a really good chance that's going to become illegal. So just keep all these things in mind. All right, so okay, here's another little idea. Reposting others' posts who are in your networks as often as possible, that's the easiest and the quickest way for you to participate in social networking. That's what I do, and um, it's so simple. So I'll get, uh, here's, uh, for example, go to Inman News or even go to our own website, timandjulieharris.com. If you find an article that you like, at, you know, on the side or at the bottom, there's a little repost button, and you can repost that, and then it will automatically publish to your Facebook page. You can do that on almost any major website. A lot of you guys already know this. This is all basic stuff. But that's the easiest and quickest way for you to um, you know, participate in social networking every day. What I would do personally if I were a practitioner, a real estate agent like you guys, is I would go to the local um, – focus primarily on the local websites of local businesses – that could potentially send you business. And I'd start with the newspaper because they'll then maybe want to repay you for, uh, you know, posting, for reposting their stuff. They might want to repay you by giving, a, you know, a little, uh, an article or asking for your expert advice or something like that. But go to the local newspapers and repost their content. You can retweet it. You can repost it. Anything and everything to reinforce the fact that you're there to help them. Now, other local businesses, same thing. Things like that. And local employers. If you guys are one of these cities that has the new you know, uh, Amazon headquarters, well, maybe consider uh, going and finding as much information. Your neighbors and everyone in your Facebook groups and your LinkedIn groups, they're all interested in that. So just continuously republish that information. That's a great way for you to build uh, you know, a reputation of being somebody who's there to provide valuable information. Um, last little bit, and I'm not going to go deep into this, but you guys definitely want to learn how to use hashtags. I'm really crappy at that, so don't use me as an example. 
But all hashtags are essentially uh, they're words like um, basically uh, they're telling the world, telling say for example, if you're using Instagram and you put an Instagram and you put a hashtag. Austin, Texas, hashtag, you know, Tim and Julie Harris, hashtag real estate, whatever. What's going to happen is someone's on Instagram doing a search for Austin, Texas. Your post will show up in their search. That's the easiest way to explain it. Now, you can have too many hashtags. You can have too few hashtags. But that's the way that you basically tell the search engine with inside the, the platform what your post is about. It, otherwise, it doesn't really know what your post is about. And when you do that correctly, especially in Instagram, you'll get followers really, really fast. And if your Instagram page is focused on local information, establishing you as a local expert, uh, then you're going to essentially build audience. And then what I want you to do is I want you to see who's liked your website or liked your posts, and I want you to call them. Okay? Thank you for liking me on Instagram. I appreciate that. I saw you've liked a few of my pictures. By the way. Uh, who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling real estate? If you don't close the gap and make the phone call, guys, all this stuff's a complete waste of time. And all this stuff is a complete waste of time if you're not doing the proactive lead generation that we talked about yesterday. So we went a little bit over, and I do appreciate you guys being patient with me about my voice. I am getting better. So those of you emailed, I appreciate your uh, concern. I think it's just allergies, and it's going away slowly, painfully. It's the longest I've been sick in my life, I think. But, you know, it's not so much complaining, I assure you. Um, but again, thank you for the emails of concern. In the meantime, what I want you guys to do, if you've not completed your business plan yet, I want you to go to Real Estate Treasure Map. I'm sorry, listen to me. I want you to go to FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com, FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com, and please do complete the form where you're going to get the Real Estate Treasure Map for free, and you're going to get Think and Grow Rich for free. If you're listening to this show on TimAndJulieHarris.com, which a lot of you are, the form to get all the free stuff is right underneath the description of today's show. It takes you two seconds to do so, and you will be entitled to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Remember, Julie and I are going to be in Hawaii uh, next week. I'm really looking forward to seeing all of our uh, listeners and our clients in Hawaii. If you're looking for a great end-of-year tax deduction, I strongly suggest that you join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to um, you know ending the year on such a high note, spending so much time with so many fantastic agents, arguably the best agents in Hawaii. If you need me for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.